place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Hit him with the hine! Hey everybody, what's happening? You are listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 73. Thank you very much and welcome. This week we'll be covering new comic book day, September 21st. And let me tell you, this particular podcast is a super protein bar full of nutritious comic book goodness. That's right. And I am your host, Chris Latore. Thank you so much for joining in on the Nerd Fortress. That is Sunspots Comics. Please follow us and sternly advise a friend to do the same. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. But do it nicely. You know, don't get mean about it. But, you know, tell them to do it. (laughs) Also, if you want to play a game on Xbox Live with me, my gamer tag is Sunspots Comics. So send me a friend request and maybe we'll play sometime. That'd be kind of fun. Also, thank you to my friend Nick Papa George for his amazing Sunspots Comics theme song. Fantastic. I love it. Please check out his Facebook at facebook.com slash popdees and his Instagram at pop underscore dees. And also thank you to my son Justin Jables Latori for his fantastic work on our Sunspots Comics blog. Please check it out and him out at blog.sunspotscomics.com and his Instagram is at justlakings. Also, I will be announcing right now the fun freebie giveaway of the Loot Crate exclusive Futurama Planet Express Ship QM Mini Master Vehicle, and that winner is Nancy Rodriguez. Thank you for, she full-on signed up for everything. We appreciate that, Nancy, and I'll be reaching out to you to send you, again, your Loot Crate exclusive Futurama Planet Express Ship QM Mini Master Vehicle. (laughs) That's right, but thank you for all, everyone that entered. I greatly appreciate it, and thank you for your support. And also, let's just, uh, if you get a chance, please go over to iTunes and give us a five, give us five stars and a positive review. That will really help the show. So we appreciate that. So let's jump right into the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 73. Actually starting with some stuff just floating around in my nerd lobes. That's right, up in my nerd brain. The first thing is actually this article that I read from Ed Brubaker, who is, uh, Just look him up. So much fantastic stuff that Ed has done. But he wrote this nice article in the Image Plus magazine, issue number five, titled Dear Younger Me. And it was a really well done, respective, retrospective piece that just totally filled me with comic book nostalgia. Especially the part where he actually talks about the, he reflects on the dramatic change in the comic book ownership. And I really, really like that. I mean, from a long time ago, how it was you really had no controlling rights over something that you created if you're a comic book creator. And this uh, shows that now we've come a long way. I mean, look at where we are now with all these independently, you know, these comic book enterprises that are that are solely owned by the creator. And, and it's just nice that he does this retrospective piece and reflects back on how comic books used to be. And so I really enjoyed it. So check out Image Plus Magazine issue number five. It comes out in the monthly or quarterly preview guide that the diamond distributor uh, distributes so check out image plus magazine you can also buy it separately for a dollar 99 at your local comic book shops oh and also right in the center of it the centerpiece of this particular
popular Image Plus magazine number five comes with an 11 by 17 Invincible poster. That's right, from the Image series written by Robert Kirkman. And it's gorgeous. It's 11 by 17 because it's a two-page foldout. Uh, you can uh, just kind of surgically remove the staples in the center, as I did. And it makes a great 11 by 17 poster. And it's, of course, the Invincible comic is coming to an end. So this poster that's there reflects upon that and the final countdown to Invincible being over, which makes me sad. But very cool that they threw in a poster, which last month they threw in a po poster for Paper Girls. So if you like that that comic, check out Image Plus Magazine number four that has the Paper Girls 11 by 17 mini poster inside. So very, 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 very cool. Next thing on my nerd brain is the Image Top Cow, sort of uh, the partnership for this comic book art contest. Uh, that's sponsored by the Eclipse comic book, which we'll get into here very soon in the spotlighting section. But it's actually on this website now. Of course, we'll share this uh, on the social media and Instagram, tw uh, Twitter, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. But it's uh, on this uh, El Paso Herald Post.com, and it's Images Eclipse unveils an art contest. So it says here, if, if you want your chance to get your artwork actually to appear in this upcoming issue of a Eclipse comic book, which is this great comic, we'll get into it very soon, written by Zach, Ka uh, Zach Kaplan. Uh, you just need to participate by submitting an original image inspired by the world of Eclipse, and the lucky winning, winning artist will, their artwork will appear in Eclipse issue number four, and the grand prize winner will receive the artwork featured and published in issue number four, as well as a complete set of, of issues one through four, and a $100 Amazon gift card. So very cool. I'll share this. If you're an artist, comic book artist, you want your chance to, to crack the image shell, this could get you if your foot in the door and you could win some stuff. So check out this art contest. And uh, pretty cool. I thought nice. And it's just a nice little, little giveaway. Just an extra little nice touch. But we'll talk about that here uh, very soon. And also on uh, my nerd lobes is two shows, two TV shows. That I'm, I'm freaking out over, and I'm like, one of them is actually called Geeking Out, and it's on AMC. It stars Kevin Smith, the movie director, and also recently the director of uh, the CW Flash, a couple of episodes anyway, with uh, co-host Greg Grunberg. You might remember him from every J.J. Abrams production ever created, <laughs> including Star Wars and Star Trek and Heroes and Alias, to name just a few off the top of my head that I remember seeing him in, and... Let me tell you, I was in immediately suspecting that because I listened to Kevin Smith's podcasts in various formats, that there maybe wouldn't be any big surprises in this, and that was uh, not the right uh, the way to think. Because honestly, I was happily surprised with the fresh topics that he's covered. Uh, that he's covering two minutes in. There is an interview with an ind independent comic book creator, writer, artist Marjorie Liu. And her image comic book is called Monstrous. So I, you right off the bat, the, you're saying, wow, okay. They're going to do things a little bit different than from some of the comic book TV shows we've seen and actually highlight some up-and-comers in the comic book business. And, of course, those top-notch stars, interviews with people that are, I mean, you consider of the highest caliber like Jim Lee on, on, the, uh, on the show. So check out Geeking Out. It's, they're actually like... 20 30 minute shows so short and sweet and they're only on like uh, episode seven i think and i'm catching up but i am really digging it check out geeking out on amc starring kevin smith and greg grunberg highly recommend it it's just a lot of fun they even go to comic-con on the first issue and it's our episode and it's it's just a ton of fun they don't sort of just stay where a lot of these 
sort of geek enthused doc- documentaries live, which is mostly focusing on, I don't know, making fun of the comic book community or uh, just highlighting nothing but cosplay, etc. They get in there. They talk to people. and I really enjoy that and respect that. And the second show is uh, DreamWorks Presents Voltron, Defender of the Universe on Netflix. And man, why did I wait so long for this? Because it is fantastic. I just watched the episode one of season one, which is like a movie in itself. It's just over an hour long. And uh, surprisingly, the episodes after that are just 20-ish minutes long. And let me tell you, it's got a unique anime look to it. And the action sequences are top Notch. The art team they hired is doing just a bang-up job on blending the CG and 2G animation together to really make the action look fantastic. And I tell you, I got chills at the end of the episode one, which was like an hour. It's like a movie. Like, it stands, like, on its own. If you watch nothing else, at least watch that. But I gotta finish it now. And uh, they're just doing a great job on actually focusing on the team unity and actually making that the primary challenge of the of the story and it also it's it's ultimately the heart of the story uh, and how this team will come together is interesting and unique and I honestly was kind of thinking I'll just watch it eating some cereal in the morning and uh, with one eye and, and the other eye looking the other way I it, it kept me engaged and I put my cereal down and I full-on watched it so I really really enjoyed Voltron Defender of the Universe on Netflix check it out and the last thing on my nerd brain is that I'm actually writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. That's right. I'm doing the writing, the coloring, the lettering, and my friend Jordan Hudson is doing the fantastic pencils and the ink finishes. You have to check out his beautiful work on Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is ridiculous. And I actually managed to grab the website zombiedestroyers.com. I posted the first four pages of Jordan's work, just kind of sample snippets. I don't expect it to be complete. But you can check out the up-and-coming comic book that I'm creating, which is still nuts when I even say the words out loud, called Zombie Destroyers. So please check out zombiedestroyers.com from time to time. And just a quick Zombie Destroyers update. He has finished and wrapped and completely uh, finished his, his pencils and his finished ink on page 13. And he's going to be um, sending it out soon. And he's uh, starting now on page 14, which is a very ambi- ambitious page. So best of luck to you, Jordan. <laughs> I know the, the writing inside of my brain is out there, but I think he's doing a fantastic job of capturing the insanity in my in my mind and making it a cohesive story. Thank you, Jordan. And... It's going to be a lot of fun. They, the Zombie Destroyer teams go outside for the first time, don't do so well. So this is this is kind of the aftermath of that on page 14 where they're dusting themselves off, regrouping a little bit, get back in the gym and train some more, and they're going to be getting some weapons. That's right. So that's the up-and-coming Zombie Destroyers. That's just page 14, a little insider scoop there for you. So next up is the segment I call Spotlighting, where I like to discuss up-and-coming comic book artists and creators, and I got to actually briefly meet at Long Beach Comic Con writer Zach Kaplan, and he's actually producing and has released his very first comic book ever from Image Comics and Top Cow collaboration called Eclipse, and it's just got a very unique, very cool premise. I've already read issue number one, and it's... The future, the sun has uh, exploded. A giant, say, sunspot. <laughs> Seems appropriate, right? That I like this comic. 
and a sun flare, and it's uh, it's taken the Earth and just turned it into this apocalyptic nightmare. And if you step out into the sun, you are toast. So it's like everyone's a vampire on Earth. <laughs> everyone's living in the dark. And there is this group, this team, these guys that walk around in kind of these astronaut outfits that are just designed to sort of do deeds and do things out in the sun because their suits protect them from it from repairing buildings to uh, showing up at a murder scene and investigating they just seem to be these overall go-to guys that help uh, and do things out in the sun because no one else can and our main character has been given the task of protecting this young woman of say she's the daughter of someone high up in the sort of primary corporation which looks like is sort of ruling uh, the, the the earth at this time and it's a, it's a super blast. The art is uh, by Giovanni Timpano and colored by Chris Northrup, of course, written by Zach. And he himself, I just looked him up here real quick, and he taught screenwriting at the International Academy of Film and TV in the Philippines. And he's a member of the WGA and also writes film and television. So, And he's a Los, he lives in Los, Los Angeles, so he's a, I'm not sure if he's a native, but he lives here in L.A. So super nice meeting him, and I'm super, super excited because he was nice enough to send me an advanced copy of Eclipse issue number two, and I, I tell you, I, he told me not to say anything, uh, but I really dig it, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say, and hopefully very soon, actually extremely very soon, for podcast issue number 74, I'm going to try to get Zach on the podcast to interview him about it, where we can talk about it a little bit more, because issue number two comes out Wednesday, October 5th. That's Eclipse number two. Check it out. Cool premise, beautiful art by Giovanni Timpano, and I really want to get a chance to pick at his brain and, and get to know him a little bit and ask him all about Eclipse, because I think it's going to be a big deal. Um, I think it's going to sell out and go into go into multiple printings, but it's it's very cool, unique premise. Also, that premise that isn't so far from reality, where it's frightening in a way. So I like that that it's uh, you know grounded in some I think possible reality, <laughs> and so kind of freaky. But um, issue one was uh, the ending of issue one of Eclipse was very interesting and unique. And I want to spoil it for you as I don't, but uh, check it out, uh, Eclipse. Get it where at your local comic book shop on paper, of course, or Comixology, etc. So and if and by the way, our segment spotlighting. If you know someone that is an independent comic book creator and they want a chance to sort of show their stuff and talk about what they're working on, and and hopefully Sunspots Comics will just kind of help them uh, get their work out there because we love to support them and help them. All those struggling creators like myself, zombie destroyers, and we'll do what we can to help. So please, if you know someone, just fire me an email, or if you are yourself a comic book creator of any kind. Just send your, a sample of your work to chris at sunspotscomics.com. It's directly to my email. Or, of course, just message me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at sunspotscomics. So, very, very cool. And now let's uh, jump right into some comic book news. I just have two quick articles. They're in the comic book feel-good factoid freebie department. That's right. <laughs> so, the first one comes from the Los Angeles Times. And a uh, little nugget, I used to work for the LA Times a long, long time ago, right after high school. I wanted to be a journalist. I actually was an intern there for a while. And then I even worked uh, just doing like telemarketing and data entry. And uh, when I realized I'd, I really wasn't interested in, in going to journalism, I stayed with the LA Times for quite a long time. So I, I look back on it uh, with fond memories. They were a good company to work for. But this is from the Hero Clump Complex. If you haven't seen this section of the LA Times, you should because it is all, it's, uh, it's nerd loving. That's right. It's full of it. It's uh, in the entertainment section. And it's called the Hero Complex. And I'm not going to talk too much about this because about this I really want you to read it, but I want to just highlight it. This is titled, 
Comic book creators unite for Love is Love to honor victims of the Orlando attack. So just very cool that some comic book creators and some fantastic artists are getting together. You've got uh, DC Comics, IDW that are partnering together to really just put out this Love is Love comic. I think it's a great, fantastic idea to honor those that were killed in June's Orlando attack. So very, very cool. I'll share the link, of course. It's coming out December 21st. It's going to be 10 bucks. And it doesn't really say, but I really hope that some of the proceeds go to the families, the victims, and the people uh, that helped, involved, and etc., etc., etc. But very, very cool. And the cover art is uh, drawn by Elsa Chartier, and it's it's very cool looking and just so very colorful. But uh, it made me it made my, my heart just 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 warm up. And, and the nerd sections of my heart, which is like, come on, 85.7%. Um, <laughs> but a love is love. Very, very cool. LA Times, thank you for covering that. And the second and final comic book feel-good factoid freebie is from Comicron.com. And they are the company that sort of talks about the state of the union of comic books and how they're doing financially. And they like to compare how things were and how they are and how sales are doing in the specifically the paper comic book realm. Well, this article is titled... More than 10 million comics ordered in August, and that is the most since 1996. Wow, and I'm not good at math, but that's uh, it's like 39 years ago or something. <laughs> but anyway, um, Harley Quinn was the number one, which is insane. So it goes over some, some of the numbers. I don't want to bore you with all the numbers and details, but that's the primary one, is that 10 million comics were ordered in August, and that's the most since 1996. That's 10 million. I mean, that's that's some heavy-duty numbers. It's seriously on the rise. It's the first time that Diamond, the distributor, primary distributor, has ever actually revealed the full number of copies shipped in a single month. They've they've sort of they keep that quiet, which I don't know why. I mean, come on, the numbers are good. They're all good. It's just growing and growing and growing. And so, yeah, the uh, the numbers are all looking positive. Digital uh, for the first time kind of dipped uh, in the last couple of months. But uh, it's sort of steady in its market share. But you do have uh, DC has taken the lead here, which is a surprise, right? Rebirth is really, really working well. DC right now has the overall unit share of 44% of the market, which is crazy, right? That's, that's approaching 50% of the market of people that are reading paper comic books are DC right now. 32% with Marvel, still very res- respectable. And Image is just there right under 8%, which is where they live constantly at 7.78%. And then it trickles down from there, from IDW being in fourth with 3.5 and Dark Horse being 2.28. And uh, yeah, I definitely support number three down <laughs> more than I do um, Marvel and DC. But I've been enjoying, like I said, the three main titles of Rebirth. Superman, Flash, and Batman have been out of this world. But Harley Quinn's the number one top-selling Rebirth comic right now and the number one selling comic book on the planet. Which I read and it was okay, but I moved on. Anyway, don't want to go too much into that. But I know that uh, even Jim Lee's jumping on the Suicide Squad, so I'm sure we're going to see that have a serious spike. He's not jumping on, he's already doing it. But for some reason, it's kind of just quietly uh in the spotlight but as soon as people figure it out that jim lee's been drawing it uh or maybe it's just me and some of the circles i'm in but i'm sure those numbers are going to jump right on to the top 10 which it doesn't look like it's there yet but there you go oh it is it's uh sorry it's number three so it is up on the top 10 already and i'm sure that's because of jim lee but i have a feeling it's going to take over that number one spot of harley quinn just mark my words but anyway that's the state of a union address 
for comic books and my second and final comic book feel-good factoid freebie. Hope you really like that. So, coming up next, we're going to jump right into my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations where I pick my favorite comic books of all the comic books that I read for New Comic Book Day September 21st and spoiler alert but of course don't really worry about that I do a fantastic job (laughs) toot my own horn about not really spoiling the last couple of pages I definitely just work on persuading you and talking you into buying these comics and highlighting some of the of the moments in the early parts and giving you the gist of what the comic book is about ultimately trying to get you your cheeks off the seats and into local comic book shops to buy these comic books So there you go, but spoiler alert. Also, if you want to see everything that I'm reading, all of my favorite picks from past weeks all the way going back to May of 2015, and even just say all of my entire 110 titles that I'm reading on my giant pull list, just go to sunspotscomics.com. It's all there. It's a simple, clean, very kind of, it's basic kind of website, but it has some great nuggets on there like everything I'm reading and all of my top picks going back to when I started this podcast. So it's all there. Just go and check it out. I'm super proud of it. So please look at sunspotscomics.com from time to time. And this week's art winner is a winner's situation. <laughs> it's a two-way tie uh, with Francis Monopool and for his work on Trinity, number one, and George Jimenez. And let me tell you, They're both doing uh, Superman titles, and it's gorgeous, fantastic art. It just gave me the chills. They're very similar kind of in art style, but um, Francis Monopole does some larger splash pages and is a little more in bright light uh, than George Jimenez, but George Jimenez is ridiculous. When I saw his Instagram, the guy's a friggin' male model, by the way. I was going like, well, where's the artist? Oh, wait, this is the artist. (laughs) And the guy is like ripped and way too handsome. I don't know. Uh, he breaks all the stereotypes, which is fantastic. <laughs> Check out George Jimenez's Instagram. But beautiful, beautiful art. And then the cover winner was Francis Monopole for Trinity Number 1. Just look at that cover. It's gorgeous. It's iconic. I mean, it has Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman on the cover. She's holding a sword, and there's the villains in the reflection of the sword. Francis Monopole just home run knocked it out of the park with this cover. I hope they make posters of it, T-shirts, coffee mugs. Just saying. Come on, DC. Get us some swag. Get us some stuff, please. <laughs> but those are the art winners this week. I always like to spend a little time and and give a little love, a little shout out to the art winners. And it was just beautiful. You have to get uh, Superman Rebirth and a Trinity. Get them immediately to see their art. It's gorgeous. And this week I actually bought 17 comic books. Not too bad. And... 10 of them made it to my favorite pick list, which is great. That's over that 50%, and I always prefer to have over 50% of them great, and at least all of them very good, which they definitely were, and I always talk about the great ones. And also, this week, there were three new number ones. I always like to just give them a little highlight, and it was Hellboy BPRD 1954 number one, which is which is fantastic. Trinity, uh, which we already discussed, was the one of the art winners and the cover winner, and Seven to Eternity. And that's an image title. And all three of the new number ones made it to the top picks, which is fantastic, right? I love that because when you buy a new number one, you hope it's really good, but sometimes they can be kind of stinkers, whatever. So when a number one is like, yes, and you you jump in and it's, oh, it's good times. And you want to add it to your pull list and start reading it immediately and see where it goes. I just love that. 
So nice that three of three of the new number ones made it to the top pick list. So here we go. These are my favorite comic book picks for new comic book day, September 21st. So here we go. These are the 10. Coming in at number 10 is from Image Comics, Seven to Eternity. And this is written by Rick Remender and art by Jerome Opeña. And I, I gotta say, I can't completely figure out what this is totally about, but it's a cool sort of otherworldly science fiction action sort of, I guess there's a smidge of Western in the feel to it. Uh, well, I mean, even on the cover, this sort of monstrous being with this super tech is like summoning these mud horses and these sort of mud monsters and mud serpents, etc. Like kind of cobra looking. But this to the core of it in Synops is about this sort of ruling monster or demon that will make you an offer for something. <laughs> and we don't know what those offers are yet. And if you accept the offer, it looks like bad things happen. And this uh, this town is run over. These, these people are kind of on the run. It just looks like the the normal people in this sort of world are hiding and like they live in fear so i think that's what the core of this is going to be right is the rising up the the rebel alliance putting together to to come after this this evil sort of monstrous dictator if you will and this family is uh they have a it's a very giant not giant but whenever i see a full page of text that's giving a journal of, of a character I initially do kind of sigh and roll my eyes. I'm like, man, a full page of text. It's like reading one of those book things. But uh, it's interesting and weird and definitely written with a sort of true voice of a character. So it makes you, it has authenticity and that you're, you actually do feel like you're reading uh, a snippet from an actual character. It does a good job of quickly, of quickly establishing that, which I like. And it seems like this family, this ragtag group, it's, it's, it's one of them there. It's the leader named Adam. And so, yeah, Adam is, uh, is, is, uh, he's not doing well. He's, he's coughing and he's sort of coughing up blood. And then, and then this de this sort of demon monster armada comes and just, is just des destroying them and, and destroying their village and their farm and their, and their land. And so the aftermath is sort of the core sort of act two of this comic. And Adam decides to go to the leader, go to the main compound. And it's a little bit of that road trip there. And what's going to happen? I mean, uh, I don't want to say what happens in the last few pages, if he makes it or not. But that's the gist. And the art from Jerome Opeña is out of this world gorgeous. Very dark. A lot of bright neons. It reminds me of Birthright, in a way. That sort of art style. Very, you know, it's a very, it's a fantasy-based world here with all types of aliens and creatures and strange animals that they're, that they're riding upon and a lot of glowing eyes I really like that and uh, the a cover with that strange sort of Pied Piper he's like when he's summoning these mud demons he's doing it with what looks like a flute of some kind so there's just a lot happening here and I'm definitely gonna tune in more to see what this is all about because I don't quite know yet but the art is amazing so seven to eternity is my number one or number ten check it out very very good and coming in at number nine is from Dark Horse Comics, Weird Detective, number four. And this feels like it's kind of coming to a wrap. I think it's going to be a six-issue mini. And this is from, it's a Sebastian Green mystery. And this is script by Fred Van Lenti and art by Gui. I don't know how to pronounce G-U-I-U. -U. I'm so sorry. Villanova. And very dark, very noir, very... So this is an alien that has taken over the body of a detective... And he is ultimately trying to 
keep other alien technology hidden or quiet and it seems like he is going after one particular foe but we haven't really been introduced to that foe yet but he's ultimately dealing with the aftermath of people that have been murdered he's like a like an mib in hiding but he's an alien uh, which takes on the shape of a normal human and he has a partner that they're forcing him upon but he's very strange very odd to her and she, uh, there's an awkward sequence here, which I love awkward sequences, of when his partner, this woman, uh, her wife and child approach the, his door, Mr. Alien Detective, and she's like, where's my wife? And just suspected they were doing something. And you know, I love the just straight up, no lady, nothing like that's going on. Like, I'm an alien. But he doesn't say that. And he's he, he very much, the main character lacks that filter of uh, sort of the human filter, if you will, and the personal uh, relationships with people uh, like his sergeant. And he's just very sort of kind of doesn't care about the human race. He's a little bit of that, um, you know, that lack of humanity is definitely there. And it's interesting. But he is, uh, he's coming close to what seems like he's he's finding ultimately, which I think is going to be a reveal in the next, in the next issue of a of a major bad guy because it doesn't seem like he has that here it's mostly this uh, one through four has been dealing with the aftermath of these murders in, the, in a weird way kind of reminds me of Dexter like the ice ice truck killer they call him the juice box killer wasn't it ice truck killer something like that in Dexter but very dark very noir very police detective partner type situation and I like also that he he gets his inspiration from like Humphrey Bogart an old like detective uh, movies from the 50s and that's where he learns sort of his code of how to be a detective I like that it's like a it's an homage to the old uh, crime noir with Humphrey Bogart so I, I like that and I, I dug that weird detective is weird and it's fun and it's dark so I like that and coming at number eight is Batman number seven the Batman rebirth and this is the sort of start of the arc called the monster man this is part one it looks like it is going to cross over which I don't think I'm going to cross over because I've tried some of the crossing over of Rebirth. And let me just tell you, the best Rebirth comics are Batman, Superman, and The Flash, in my opinion. I know there's some other good stuff out there, but so far I've enjoyed that the most of what I've read. So this is the kicking off of the Monster Man, and I really dig it. It's it's a lot of the what's happening in Detective is happening in this. And Detective is that team ensemble of Batman. And this one actually has uh, Nightwing jumps in here and... Yeah, you know, Tim, just recently something happened to Tim, which, go check out Detective Comics number 940. I don't want to blow it or spoil it, but you've got Batwoman as well in this, and the orphan, and the other one that I can't remember her name, because <laughs> she's just kind of hardly in it, but she's got that sort of purpley outfit. Gosh, forgive me. But this is the Bat team, the Bat family, and uh, the... Uh, Victor Strange, who is unleashing some sort of virus that is reanimating corpses, that's right, and turning them into building-sized monsters, these, these, uh, with these crazy spores and uh, deformities, and it's just gross looking with just giant eyes, and there's this, the opening sequences of a morgue and these bodies coming, reanimating, so very, very cool that you've got the monster aspect here. And the Bat family, and how is that going to work? I, I just love it. And Clay, it's like this huge rainstorm is hit as well, and Batman has to inject Clayface with something to sort of keep him together and not just rinsing down the drain. <laughs> I thought that was cool. That Batman has this giant drug in his pocket, in his pocket, in his in his bat belt of a hey, Clayface, it's a drug. This will keep you together, so you don't just rinse down the drain. <laughs> 
and he makes he turns into policemen to sort of help people and i still get a little i guess a little i don't know a little startled by clayface doing all this good but he's really trying to redeem himself here and he's actually a very likable uh groot uh, if you will like character here that's trying to really do good and kind of redeem himself i like that aspect of it but Ultimately, at its core, it's these crazy-looking reanimated corpses that are building size. That uh, he's fighting with the Bat Jet. He's uh, he's Batman's given orders. He's telling, "Hey, you go here, you go there." You know, he's 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 just it's it's Batman running on all eight cylinders. And Alfred's helping out, and you have Duke, the new guy, Duke. That's kind of like Alfred's assistant. Like I say, "Hey, get out there, Duke. Like we need you. These are giant uh, sort of zombie monsters in town. Like you know, Alfred's got the cave, man." Like, Duke, get on out there. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> anyway, that's just me. Duke, you're fine. But uh, that was why uh, it's just a ton of fun. Batman, Monsters, Bat-Team, Bat-Family. Great art, I have to say. Just drawn so beautifully well. It's it's a definitely a, it's a little more of that indie feel and style in the art. And I, I'm already I'm looking for the... Because, again, DC not putting the the art team on page one they just like they hide it and it's like on page nine or ten or whatever but but it's uh it's it's gorgeous the art style is fantastic i'll just go with uh, what it says in the front page it's orlando written by king oh rosmo that's right it's a uh, it's it's i want to say his first name is riley rosmo because i've seen his art before and he's also done some oh here it is yeah it is uh i was right it's uh art by riley rosmo so beautiful stuff and great colors and and uh, the capes in the uh, first uh, sequence are a little ridiculous. I mean, it's you wait to see the capes. You're like, yeah, that's not physically possible, but gorgeous to look at, right? They're standing, Batman and Batwoman are standing on a building, and their capes are 12 feet long, and it's in the rain. It's just, it's gorgeous. It's iconic, but uh, I enjoy it a ton. That's why I say Batman Rebirth, good stuff. And coming at number seven is from Icon Comics. Icon, I guess, a division of Marvel, really, but it's uh, from Icon Comics. Uh, is Empress, number six of seven. It's about ready to end. And this is by Mark Millar, written by Mark Millar, art by Stuart Eminen. And Empress is honestly, it's uh, it's not heavy story. It's, it's a sci-fi action adventure of this queen and the sort of right-hand man, guard of guard, head sergeant of the military of this emperor, has decided to just get away from her husband. It's kind of ultimately the story of divorce. And that's what the cover of the comic is sort of covering. Like they're running away with the queen, the daughter, uh, their son, and then very young son, like two-year-old toddler kind of thing. And the teenage daughter is sort of in the, is, is just divided by this, that her mother is running away from her evil emperor killing father. <laughs> so you're like, why is she rooting for this guy? But who knows of how much she actually saw? And it's her father. And so the mother's trying to escape. The, the mother's put this ragtag team together of uh, the, well, has this device to sort of portal and jump uh, through these portals and wormholes, etc., to all these other planets. So it's just been this explosion of aliens and planets and travel, and it's just it's fast-paced, and it doesn't really stop and explain a ton of things, but it doesn't really need to because they're on the run. Their family is just, she's trying to divorce. She's trying to run, and yeah, she knows this evil emperor husband is not going to let her do that. So they're hiding out at the sister's house. Thank goodness. This is kind of a moment where the running has kind of stopped and things slow down a little bit. But you're ultimately saying she can't trust anyone. I mean, even her own sister. Uh, because she's worth a lot of money to a lot of folks. So they can't stay anywhere for very long. And I love the pace. Honestly, it's like it, it's extremely light in the dialogue area. So don't look for a lot of heavy reading in this. But 
ultimately the heart, the core of this comic is the is the teenage daughter having difficulty with this sort of divorce that, that that's happening here. And I can relate to that. It's happened to me at a young age. But the right-hand man character, Dane, I'm pretty sure his name is, is not really involved with her. He still calls her queen. He's very respectful. He, he keeps her away. And this is uh, uh, on the cover. The uh, the queen is uh, makes her advances on Dane, and and the young daughter sort of witnesses that, and it's a little heart wrenching, and it's like ah oh, she's she's seeing a man with her mother, which would be the first time that's ever happened, and uh, the emotion written on her face is done so super well from Stuart Emin, and you feel it. It's like ah, oh, you just can feel the pain that this daughter is going with. And uh, that's where, where the beginning of this is going to, which I think is all going to wrap up in issue number seven. But what does the daughter do? Is she going to, to side with the dad? Is she going to call out the evil emperor father and let him know where they are? Like, you got to buy it, folks. But I love the action, the adventure, the sci-fi-ness of it. It's got lasers. It's Every single issue seems like they're on three or four different planets. So everything just looks different. Stuart Eminem must have been just pulling his hair out because he... Doesn't look like he look like he really copied anything to make it look like anything else. Every single page is like something different. And the action sequences here, A plus, top notch, out of this world, gorgeous. The way he lays out his panels are insane, and you have to see it just for that alone. But Empress has been an emperor of its own. It's been fantastic. <laughs> Definitely recommend it. Buy it. And coming in at number six is Hell Hellboy BPRD 1954, number one. This is from Dark Horse Comics, written and created by Mike Mignola, story by Mike Mignola and Chris Robinson, art by Stephen Green, colors by Dave Stewart. This is some fantastic setup here for what I think is going to be a whole new arc of Hellboy. It is gorgeous to look at, number one, just has that iconic, classic Hellboy look, a little more on the cartoony style, a little less on the Mike, Mike Mignola side, but this is a ton of fun. He's been... Put with this guy named Roland, I want to say is his name, but he's, uh, no, Woodrow is his name, Woodrow Farrier, and he's this, like, cryptozoology specialist that is the most positive and smiley and happy person, <laughs> and he's just hilarious to, that he's with Hellboy, he's always kind of humph and rah and whatever, kid, and it's just a great little dynamic that they're writing, and they're, they've been called to, like, the Arctic to find out about this unique murder, and a lot of the people in in this uh, Arctic camp are saying, it's a polar bear. It's just a polar bear. It's a waste of time for you to come out here, Hellboy. Well, come on now. Hellboy wouldn't be sent by the BPRD if it wasn't something crazy. And yeah, it's a mutated polar bear, but the art on this polar bear is great. The fight sequence with Hellboy and this mutated polar bear, out of this world. I'll remember it always. It's just so iconic looking and action-packed and the stone fist. And Hellboy's not really using any guns here or any sort of gadgetry at all he's just just punching and headbutting and it's just it even has that old-timey kind of style and feel of the 50s and I, I i really dig that and i couldn't recommend it enough and where it goes to in the ending is uh, is twisted and kind of fun and unique and i sort of didn't see that coming and uh, i like to be surprised which doesn't happen very often in comics but i think what is introduced here in the ending portions of this comic is going to be a quite i think a long-wielding arc of, of material for Hellboy so I'm most definitely in I don't know if this is a mini yet or if it's just an ongoing I know there's been Hellboy and BPRD, BPRD 1952 53 and 54 
I think they've all been little four shots. I think that's just the overall how Hellboy does it. That's right. So, but I'm in. I, I got to see more of this. 53 was great. That short little uh, three or four issues of Hellboy fighting these mutated dogs. So here we go now with mutated polar bear, but with something else as introduced here towards the end. So check it out. Hellboy BPRD 1954 number one. And coming up next is... The number five pick of the week, which is Joiners. The Joiners, number four of four. This wraps it up. And this is from Archaea Comics, and it's written by Mr. R.J. Ryan and uh, illustrated beautifully by David Marquez. And this, in a, in a snapshot, this is George Jetson or Steve Jobs. That is this, this billionaire inventor that's got some serious, intense issues, narcissistic uh, violent, uh, even murderous sort of background. And it is sort of the rise and fall of this billionaire and kind of what's, what's happened here to his life and surrounding around he's, he's a cheater and his wife, uh, you think would be sort of one noted in that she's just this scorned, bitter wife, but, but no, she's like come to peace with it. And she's like this good person and trying to just do right by her kids and also just kind of depart from the whole world that is involved with Mr. Joyner's billionaire lifestyle and world and madness. And she decides to sort of low tech and unplug and kind of take the family camping. And her father that is like maybe kind of suffering from dementia and also from infection of this robotic arm that he has. And she's brought along her like new boyfriend for this trip. And the, uh, the teenage son is, is kind of embracing him. Like the dad, Mr. Joyner was so messed up that in this sort of a separation, he's even kind of embracing and being halfway cool to the to the mom's new boyfriend, which is a testament to how messed up Mr. Joyner is. But yeah, this this comes to an end that I like, and the ending is controversial. It's uh, it may not be as uh, completely totally wrapped up as us older folks like, <laughs> but it definitely leaves it open to maybe there's more of this, which I love. It's only four issues. And it's been relatively on time. Props off to you guys. The art style is very clean. The I love the sort of twist on reality look of it. Like even in some panels, the characters don't have mouths. It's very minimal in that regard. It gives them like this, I don't know, robotic kind of feel to them. And what's going to happen? You had Mr. Joyner that was sort of seduced, quote unquote, because come on now, the guy's a womanizing cheater, by this uh, highly educated... Uh, sort of nanny housekeeper that the wife hired like she seemed to maybe sabotage him but maybe she didn't you don't really get that answered which is fine but yeah she's stolen his newest and greatest piece of technology and what is she going to do with that what's going to happen there that's where I want to leave it it's it's great stuff it's definitely dark it's definitely has a has a messed up sort of family falling apart feel to it but it's, it's also a neat little adventure. The setting of this futuristic look is also very clean and aesthetically pleasing in the art. And you don't like the character. I think, they think that's maybe its only little... I'm struggling to find who I really like in it. But it's just kind of this, like I said, a slice of this messed up family situation. And uh, you, you feel for the family. You do. Because Mr. Joyner is one messed up person. But very, very good. I, I highly recommend that entire series. Get it in collection. I know Archaea will be putting it together and reprinting it and hard covering it, etc., etc. So most definitely check out the joiners. And coming in at number four is Chew, number fifty-eight of sixty. I can't believe that. Like, there's going to be a world with no Chew very soon. <laughs> it just makes me sad. 
But Chu is fantastic. It's from Image Comics. And Chu is uh, 58 of 60. Like I said, 60. It's over. This is... Uh, I, I, I was recently uh, posting some stuff online by this. And very nicely, the artist, Rob Gilroy, uh, liked and retweeted and stuff for some things online. Very cool. Check it out. Of course, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Sunspots Comics. But drawn and colored by Rob Gilroy and written and lettered by John Lehman, which I've met and spoke to him at some cons in the past. Super, super awesome guy. He's just... He's one of those sort of walking comic book encyclopedias. He's just so filled with knowledge. I would love to just siphon all of his brain power out of him. He just, he's such a, he knows so much about the history of comics and obscure characters you would never think about. And this is a, an overall, it's, it's, a, it's a funny, very colorful, kind of twisted world that the, ultimately, if you haven't been reading Chew, you should, but the world's been destroyed by like an avian flu and they believe that it's related to chicken. So all chickens been banned and the FDA is sort of turned into this investigative police force at a sort of higher ranking than even police or government officials. It's the FDA. And that's where our, our character, Tony Chu, and he is a, I forget the actual term, but it's like a cybo something. I forget what they call it, but ultimately he can put food in his mouth or put things in his mouth of organic uh, nature and he sees visions and he sees the story of it or sees where it came from and it uh, ultimately it helps him to sort of fight the or find <clears throat> anyone that is sort of doing illegal things with chicken or also other people that have come into this world with these special powers food related powers and there is this alien sky riding that's that's coming again it came and arrived on Earth in the early uh, parts of Chu, and now it's back. And people are saying that the end is nigh, that uh, this is going to end the world. They really don't know that or why, but the last time the writing was in the sky, the avian chicken flu came out and millions died. So everyone's expecting the worst. And this is sort of the one day, one fun day of him and his girlfriend, Amelia. She also has food power. She writes about food and people taste it. And they're now convinced, and what's happened in the last few issues, that Tony will have to eat Amelia in order to stop the Armada and for the planet to be safe again. Like, how he sort of knows that, I don't really know. It's complex, but I, I know it has to do with his sort of arch nemesis throughout this. He died, hung himself, and forced Tony to eat him to have all of these visions about everything that's happened throughout the entire run of the 58 issues. And there's a lot packed into the last few issues. I'm still absorbing it myself. I want to go back and reread it. But ultimately, this is him, Tony, wanting to have that one sweet day before, say, the Earth blows up with Amelia. And it's just sort of heartwarming. And they want to have this lovely day. And it shows what they expect it to be like. And it's not that at all. <laughs> it's, and of course, you have to read every single piece of lettering and writing in the background, on the walls, on the wallpaper, on food. There are jokes written into so much of it. This, I would say, is much lighter than comparatively in the past for all those little hidden Easter egg little joke gems in the background. But they're still there. <laughs> and yeah, the day doesn't go as planned. He has to visit some family. Tony's got some very messed up family members here. He has to visit them. But Amelia's good-hearted nature is trying to keep Tony positive, And I just like that. And they go on a little, investig invest in, like, a little investigation. And they find some guys there that are also food imbued. And uh, they have this this battle and this fight. I don't want to say kind of what it's all for because it's leading to some, 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 I think, some key plot points here. But there's a great funny scene. I laughed out loud. It's the kind of last thing I'll mention about you. 
that they wanted to see this sunset. They wanted to just see like like what they considered maybe the final sunset ever. And they <laughs> they go to this panel where they're talking about it being the most romantic view in the world and the entire city. And this couple turns around and it's not Chu and Amelia. It's these other two people that look like them from the back. But then when they turn around, it's just this this hilarious sort of image. Just <laughs> but their silhouette looked like it was it was Tony and Amelia and uh, this won't spoil it. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's just a, it's a great sequence. I laughed out loud. So that's why any comic that can make me do that is going to be high ranked. And, uh, that's why Chew is out of this world. So get it, read it. It's hilarious. And it's uniquely cartoony style. And I hope one day they do get a TV show for it. I know they worked on that and it fell through, but I hope whatever they do, they, they keep the, the true artistic nature of Chew in whatever sort of other avenue. Because I don't need anything else, honestly, folks. It's right here. It's in the comic. It's it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And it's hilarious. So coming in at number three. So here we go. Top three is Black Hammer, number three. And this is from Dark Horse Comics. And this is Jeff Lemire. And it's drawn by Dean Ormston and colors by Dave Stewart. And in a nutshell, this is the, it's like the Justice League. There's a lot of reflections on those particular characters of the Justice League. This particular one is like Marvin the Martian, but his name is not that. And they're sort of forced to stay in this small farm town. Like, they cannot get out of it. They battled a lot of bad guys, did a lot of good in the world, and they have these great flashbacks to the golden age of comics. And again, like I said, it's like old-time Justice League stuff. It's fantastic. The art is great. Ormston's just knocking it out of the park with his definitely homage to golden age comics and the entire team including the uh, black hammer are just trapped like weird twilight zone trapped in this small midwest town and our marvin the martian guy which is what i'll call him i'm sorry that's not him but this is even this episode is called the warlord of mars it's sort of his origin it shows on the planet that humans crashed on on their planet of mars and there is colonies there and aliens there and, and martians there and the, that our main character is sort of the outcast. And for what you don't really know at first, but they're, uh, so they're, uh, the Martians are like, let's wipe out that planet. They seem unintelligent and, <laughs> and dangerous and yeah, all, all of that and above. <laughs> sure. And he's like, you never know. Like they could be fine. Like, and I guess his father was part of uh, that, that team of peacemakers and, he, and he's just, if he's frowned upon for being that way, for sort of going with the peace, peaceful alternative than just being warlike Martians. And so th this crash landing of these, uh, of humans on Mars, then this Martian warlord says, well, here, take this head of this human, like pops it off, just like <laughs> splort. I love that, that little written sound effect. It hands him the head and says, here, I volunteer you. You go be Earth's great diplomat for this mission. And uh, let us know if we need to just come back and destroy them all. And it's kind of just to get rid of him. You can definitely feel that. And you're like, why? Like, he he seems intelligent. He wants to live in peace. And then you get him, um, Marvin, the Martian. <laughs> Marvin! <laughs> no, but, um, I know, it just clapped into my head. But the uh, the man, the Martian Manhunter here, a character, is now in a church. And he's trying to find something. Trying to find some enlightenment. Seems like he's trying to find a reason to eventually have to tell the Martians to not kill every human on Earth. like So he's trying to find enlightenment at church. And 
we get another little flashback of the main character, which I love all their names. Uh, it, it's great golden age, you know, homage to golden age characters like Abraham Slam is sort of the main character. Uh, Barbalian, that's the alien I'm talking about now, the Martian. Uh, Golden Gale, who is this like kind of Shazam-like character, but she's trapped in the body of a young woman, like a 10-year-old, and has to like go to school, and she's like 70. So there's some complex characters here. Madam Dragonfly, which is the strange sort of uh, magical entity, like Doctor Strange, but in woman uh, format, and you don't really get what she's all about quite yet. <laughs> it's very strange. But this has the main character who's, uh, I, I'm sure he's Slam, Abraham Slam, who's dating a, a waitress in town, and he has to keep it very hush. He can't just bring her back to the house, but she's kind of saying, look, you know, we're middle-aged folks and our relationship has gone as far as it's going to go. And if you don't really introduce me to your family and kind of take it that step further, I, I'm out. And it's this very kind of realistic and and humbling and awkward kind of conversation, but very based in realism, right? There's there's people out there that, that shut down and don't let someone in. And he, he makes that effort to open up to her and say, okay, like, like they're going to have a family dinner. So how's that going to work with these, these crazy heroes that are in hiding? And But it seems like some people know in this town that there are some strange heroes that are hiding. But we don't know to what extent quite yet. And the, the, the core of this is sort of what you find out in Barbalian is this flashback. When he comes to Earth... And he changes his form to this, these, it's sort of like, um, it's in the sort of Al Capone days and the uh, Prohibition. And there's these gangsters that kill this policeman. And he sort of takes on the physical entity of that, that killed policeman. And he's so quickly thrust into sort of being a hero. He he's, he's has to make his case to keep humans alive. And he witnesses a murder right off the bat. So he's sort of thrown into being a hero and going after these guys that murdered these, these you know, gangsters that murdered this policeman. And he decides to take on his entity there and take on the life of that character. And this this guy has a partner, uh, a, a black partner, and they sort of flash forward years later. And this is the only part of it. I'm not spoiling everything, but the ultimately the Barbalian is uh, is homosexual, and and he thinks he has the green light from his partner, who they've been partners for years now. And it is so awkward, and he's the partner's so offended, and it's so it's heartbreaking, and just like oh. Like, he was getting all these vibes that 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 was where this kind of relationship with his partner was going, and that did not go well. And it's just heartbreaking. And you're thinking, I'm thinking the whole time, like, man, um, maybe the maybe even Barbalian, uh, they're asexual. It sort of doesn't matter. There's no sort of you know title of hetero or, or homosexual, whatever. But that goes horribly bad. And he spent years with this partner, and so. Is he going to convince Martians to not kill all humans? I don't know. Like, very complex here. And I, I love that that you don't really know. Like, he's just trying to find humanity and what's it what, what's it's all about. And he has a great little sequence with, with Gale. Um, it's a little bit heartbreaking. So ultimately, it's a, it's a very humanistic approach and very complex story here. And I really, really enjoy it a ton. So check out Black Hammer. They're doing super stuff with it. And I don't want to tell you what happens at the end but it's you got to see what happens I, I i've got a feeling this is an also a mini feels like it's going to be six or so and then done but i've been really enjoying it jeff lemire writing out of this world and the art style like i said it's that very much uh it also has that kind of homage to mid-america and the golden age of comics and it's just nostalgic feeling and, and fantastically done great great story and great art
So coming in at number two is Trinity, number one, and from DC Comics. And this is the one of two of the artist winners this week from Francis Monopool. And come on now, this is Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman together on this cover. She's holding a sword, and you see the villains and the sword reflection. And it's just this slice of America, the rainbow of colors that Francis is using here, these giant splash pages of Wonder Woman, Batman, and I don't think Superman gets one. Yeah, he does. Oh, are gorgeous. I want it on a shirt. I want it on a poster. I want it on keychains. I want it on Domino's pizza boxes. I don't know. I just kind of want it everywhere because it's it's just it's gorgeously rainbow colored. His art is ridiculous and very a lot of big two page splashes here that are extremely iconic. Even the way he uses his panels to shape the like a bat and to shape like the Wonder Woman symbol and to shape the shape of the the Superman symbol, like, and then he fills 12 panels with that and puts them together in this, like, gorgeous jigsaw puzzle of art. Francis Monopool is amazing. I need more of his material. I need to buy more stuff from him. But this is very cool and kind of an awkward dinner meeting because this Superman, of course, doesn't really know Wonder Woman and Batman very well, but Lois calls them to have dinner over in their Hamilton County home, which looks very much like Smallville, out in the, uh, you know, farmland. And it's just this awkward dinner. They're trying to get to know each other, but it's a lot of fun. There is some sort of back, uh, some you know, backstory here that shows them sort of in action. And this weird sequence where apparently Batman turns his the bat suit rainbow colored as a distraction when Robin has a broken arm, and they laugh over that. It's just like it's just this hilarious little sequence. And there's some homage to when Superman meets the Green Lantern the first time. And Wonder Woman's fighting Cheetah. And overall, the whole time, there is like, over in their barn, is like this alien sporing and growing, which almost looks kind of swamp thing-ish. Like, the, like this, this greenery is taking over their barn at the same time when they're having this awkward dinner. And, and Jonathan is there as well. And Jonathan doesn't know who they are, so he goes against their training and uses his heat vision against Batman and Wonder Woman. And... It's just it's just fun and it's just this cool little like first time meeting and I you know you have to put aside continuity you know they all know each other but this particular superman sort of didn't uh, from from wherever that continuity is it's a mess but who cares but it's gorgeous it's beautiful and it's an awkward dinner and like i said it's these two page splashes are absolutely gorgeous inspiring they gave me the chills when i looked at it it is um, top-notch. Thank you so much, Francis Monopool, for your beautiful art. And I'm going to be buying more of it. It's also the cover winner this week because it is gorgeous and iconic and, and just full of color. And uh, it, this is one that I'm not going to forget anytime soon. It's Trinity was so fantastic. Get a copy of it. Just go now. It's everywhere. But the number one, and this was like, it was like a tie, honestly. And I know Superman Rebirth's been up there. But number one, again, is Superman Re Rebirth number seven it's also the artist of the week and it's it's gorgeous you have the writing team of uh, tomasi and gleason on story and you have george jimenez on art here and it's it's superman in a little darker si style but this iconic page of page one of superman in, in uh, you know in the atmosphere above earth looking at you know at these satellites and looking down upon earth and the sun is in the background it's just, uh, it's inspiring, it's jaw-dropping, it's it's iconic, it's Americana, it's so many emotions. 
And after that, there's this two-page splash of just Superman dealing with the Justice League, like, quickly throughout the world, and most of them saying thank you except for Batman. And his line was, I don't recall asking for help. <laughs> it's like, and Superman's, I don't usually wait to be asked. <laughs> so they have a great little exchange. And this is just a day in the life of the the Clark family, the Kent family, at a... At a, at a fair, basically, at the county fair. That's the last day of the fair. And the family feels like uh, they don't get to be involved in, in just normal family things. And they really long for this. And they're trying to have a good time here at this fair. And, of course, there's someone still trying to rob the place. Clark makes a promise to not do anything super-powered or super y related. And he's really trying to just keep it absolutely quiet. I know this vein has been played before. And that's totally fine. But he's trying to have this family day, and now it's uh, different with now that he has their son, Jonathan. And he's meeting people in town. It's it, it's Jonathan's uh, little friend that's a girl that is has a cow in this, uh, in this cow contest. And it's just this slice of American pie and, and farmland and this gorgeous art by, by George Jimenez that is just out of this world gorgeous. It just, it's so heartwarming. That's why it's the number one pick. It just has this this family feel to it and that Superman is this hero just trying to do the right thing. It's really full of that hero feeling, even though it's much, much smaller scale, right? It's It kind of just like has this like really good Smallville episode kind of feel. But of course, it's, you know, it's Kent's got Lois now and, and a son, but but it's just it's written with humor and it's light and it's funny and it's warm and such warm orange colors in this. Like it just has this overall warm feeling. And yes, I'm flipping through it now as as we're speaking, and the chills are happening, folks. But uh, he even mixes the art style here a little bit. You see when he draws Jonathan sometimes that it goes a smidge on the anime, which I like that. It just kind of animates him in a, a younger sort of tone, and I love that. And uh, they're buying carnival food. They're playing the stupid carnival games. He's keeping this uh, this robbery hidden quietly. And uh, <laughs> the very, very last page of it made me laugh out loud, sort of chills feel. And I, I just can't get enough of Superman. It's, it's, I, I've waited for this for so long. So it's, it's so lovely to have this, this kind of art team together, this writing team together. Hats off to Gleason, to Mossy. It's, uh, it's, it's the best work they've ever done. And uh, I want to see this uh, beat Harlequin in the number one comic. Uh, being sold in the world it needs to be superman and george jimenez and when patrick gleason is on art which i know with the bi-weekly release he dips in and dips out but it's he has definitely put his imprint upon this art style patrick gleason has and it's if you want to see some gorgeous art just look at patrick gleason's instagram and george jimenez but fantastic they're within the vein of each other but unique enough to where you can tell them apart but it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't become like a. You know, it's not an, a, like a a break or it's not abrupt. It it just goes together quite well and it's it's seamless and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful and it's hero feeling and uh, get it. Get Superman. Get Trinity immediately. Uh, get everything. All of it. Buy it now. <laughs> it's fantastic. But there you go. There you have it. Those are my recommendations for New Comic Book Day, September twenty first. Please go to your local comic book shop, buy them, and tell them that Sunspots Comics sent you right there tell them <laughs> they'll look at you weird sure but come on who cares also if you have questions or comments or maybe you'd like your own personal comic book recommendation just email me chris at sunspotscomics.com 
If I choose your email and I discuss it on the podcast, I will send you a free comic book little prize, a little thank you gift from me personally. Don't forget, of course, to sign up for our email newsletter at sunspots.com slash contact. And please tune in next week. It's going to be another big week. I've got 20 comics. We'll see there's four new number ones, so potentially 24 comics coming out for September 28th. And uh, that's a lot, right? That is a ton. But I hope to get all those uh, five number ones. Hope my local comic book shop comes through, gives me all those number ones so I can talk about them, discuss them, and recommend them to you. But thank you so much for listening. It really, really means a lot. I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. If you've enjoyed this and you want to help the podcast, just give a little back by going to iTunes, giving us five stars, and writing a positive review. And, of course, just following us on Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebook at Sunspots Comics. So thank you, thank you very, very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. And see you next week. And don't forget, don't forget of course, to be water, my friends. Be water. Hit him with the hide. <laughs> see you later. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Comics now.